Well, all the time you spend trying to get back what's been took from you, more is going out the door. After a while, you just have to try to get a tourniquet on it. What you got ain't nothing new. This country's hard on people. You can't stop what's coming. It ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity. scene from uh, No Country for Old Men. You know, uh, this country is hard on people. This country is hard on people, and uh, we're all experiencing it. And uh, you know what? Uh, you can't always see what's coming, and it all ain't, ain't waiting on you. That's just vanity to think it is. And uh, you know what? I've been uh, thinking about the all the stuff that's been going on the past, uh, the past few weeks, and I'm thinking, you know what? Um... Uh, this country is hard on people, and it's time to uh, to kind of accept accept some of the things that are here, and uh, you know, give it to God, give it to God, and that's how that song was uh, was Daughtry baptized, and uh, I think uh, we all need to have a a little bit more of a positive, you know, have a, a little bit more of a positive outlook at the same time that we're that we're uh, watching what's happening, and don't, and I'm not saying. Close your eyes to what's happening. I'm saying, watch what's happening, realize it, and let let God guide this country and uh, and help uh, help um, help people see that. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I always do. I'm gonna point out point out what's going, my opinion of it, and uh, I'm going to uh, try to stay try to stay less. Uh, less uh bewildered about where the where the country is and where it's going i'm gonna try to uh be more positive i mean this is america we are american somehow we always survive we always survive and we will always survive and uh let's try not to get too much out of focus on that and uh i felt i just felt last couple weeks that that's where i was so anyway, before before we get into all that stuff, let me introduce myself for those that don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing, whether that's refinancing a piece of property you own or purchasing a piece of property you'd like to own, whether that's in California or any of the other states, I'm licensed in about 24 of them, I think. Um, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. 
Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Planet Home Lending logo. That'll take you to my lending page and put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear, you will hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you have comments on the on the show, uh, email me to Ed Hoffman, ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, oh, also, if you want to hear any part of the show repeated, stay on edhoffman.net and uh, click on the podcast page. You heard the show as well as several past shows. Uh, so in the studio with me this week is Mr. Kenny White. Kenny, welcome back to the main event. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you for having me, Ed. The South Side, the South South Side, Side Unicorn. Unicorn. Right. So uh, Kenny, Kenny's going to join me and uh, kind of analyze the stuff that we're seeing. So let's let's uh, get started. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk finally struck a deal on Monday to buy Twitter for roughly $44 billion. Those of us that are tired of being censored on social media see this as a victory for free speech. But the media is calling it what else? An attack on democracy. Elon Musk is the new power in the, at the social media giant, and he is foaming the runways for the return of the trolls. This is happening in the background of Elon Musk saying, basically, I want to buy Twitter so I can open it up and turn it into Gab and let Donald Trump back. So there are real consequences to allowing anybody to run these Internet sites and say whatever it is they want. If you own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates. The rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Doesn't that seem like exactly what Twitter did uh, before the election in 2020? That's exactly what they did. The This is actually Orwellian. When you hear these talking heads from the left open their mouth, they're giving up the goods to try to save themselves. They're like... We had that power and we know how dangerous it can be because we did it. You know that old saying, if someone accuses you of cheating, that's because they did it. Exactly. And that seems exactly what, uh, what you know, hey, remember all the Democrats accusing, accusing uh, Trump of Russian collusion when it all came, <laughs> when it all came out, it was the, the uh, Clinton campaign. Doing is, she, is she still walking around free today? Uh, apparently so. Huh. And I've, I've seen nothing in the news to indicate otherwise. So the details of this deal with uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Twitter agreed to sell itself to Musk, who was already the company's single largest shareholder. Well, he was for a couple of weeks. Um, he sell, they're selling it to him for $54.20 a share. Twitter's board, is unanimously appro- Twitter's board has unanimously approved the sale, but the deal won't be complete until the SEC approval and the Twitter shareholders vote. Once it's finalized, it'll be the largest deal to take a company private in at least two decades, and I looked up to see who those uh, who the last ones were, and they were uh, mostly uh, um, companies that you probably wouldn't even recognize. That uh, Dell picked up some data company called EMC, and I said, "Hey, who are those last ones that did that?" And a bunch of them that nobody would recognize. There's a one billion dollar breakup fee, which means if the deal falls apart, whoever's responsible has to pay the other one billion dollars. Kind of like a uh, a real estate deal where you put up a earnest money deposit and if you back out after the contingency time period you lose your deposit to the seller well this time it's a it's a two-way street they uh, if if uh, the seller backs out they have to give the buyer 1 billion if the buyer backs out the buyer has to has to leave a billion dollars there for the on the table twitter would have to pay musk 
a billion dollars if they strike a deal with another bidder, and Musk would have to pay Twitter the same if his financing falls through, which is not likely. Yeah. He seems he seems to he seems to be well funded. Yeah, I think he got some chips in his pocket. Exactly. <laughs> yes, he does. Both sides could walk away if the deal doesn't close by October twenty fourth. And of course, if it doesn't close by October twenty fourth because of one side, that billion dollar thing uh uh comes into play. The agreement says Musk can tweet about the deal, but he can't disparage Twitter or any of its employees, which might be tough for him. It hasn't hasn't been so far. He's been a good boy for last for last week. Because reportedly Twitter employees are crying into their green smoothies this week. From Politico, Monday was an emotional day at Twitter, even for its executives. The article goes on to describe how Twitter's top lawyer, who was responsible for banning political ads and permanently deleting uh, Trump off the platform, was emotional, concerned, and crying as she spoke to the employees this week. And here's more of the media doom and gloom. That it's about free speech of straight white men. And so let them have it. Let them just go at it. I enjoy the block button on Twitter. Elon Musk calls himself a free speech absolutist. Well, first of all, that's BS. Elon Musk buying Twitter says a lot about the priorities of people at the highest levels making decisions that could affect the fate of the planet. Wow. I'm telling you, it's it's like we're living in a sci-fi movie, a B sci-fi movie, and a cheap one at that. These people are pretty scary. And I got a concern here. The October 24th uh close. That looks like more of that sneaky, snarky, leftist stuff going on. Don't we have an election in November? Yes, we do. Yes, we have an election in November. And it's uh I would think that Musk is going to push to close this as fast as he can, mm-hmm. so we can make sure that Twitter is is equal, is is unbiased on there. And the difference between the difference between Republicans and Democrats is Democrats fight dirty, and yeah. they don't have they don't have any character or any ethics. And when Elon Musk takes takes control of this. He's not. He's not going to do what they did to the Republicans. He's just going to open the gates. He's just going to open happen. it up and say, "Hey, everybody has an opinion. Mm-hmm. Have it, and we're not going. And it's going to stop uh, squelching people." Right, but this October twenty fourth, it, it feels really funky to me because all they got to do is say a few pages weren't signed right, and now it's November twenty fourth before he actually takes possession of Twitter, which means how how effective will he be to you know. Um, that's true, but they probably just put a six month, a six month, uh, time limit on it. Yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope because that, that, that looks funky to me. Maybe all the, maybe all the shareholders want their money. I would, I would too. So, but again, uh, what Twitter has been doing to all the people at all, to all the people at, and the people at the highest levels, Hey, this is what the people at the highest levels, they want to, they want to control people. And the people at the highest levels now have been, uh, have been controlling people, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know you think about how how Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, how he invested millions and millions of his dollars to make sure that the the election wasn't fair, and how Twitter has taken off taken off conservative voices, and how um, it's just it's been widespread, and what the mainstream media has done. This is exactly, and of course, like you said before, you know whatever they're saying that that the other side's going to do is because exactly what they've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad that no one's listening to Elon Musk himself who tweeted on Wednesday, 
for Twitter to deserve public trust, it must be politically neutral, which effectively means upsetting the far right and the far left equally. So not necessarily upsetting people because Twitter is not going to upset them, but the far left is going to upset the far right and the far right is going to upset the far left. Mm -hmm. But let let their voices be heard. Uh, My production assistant, Brooke, uh, sent me this clip from uh, U2 from a U2 concert in 2017, right after and and put it put it this way that U2 and uh, Bono and their and their most of their audience is is typically more of a Democrat uh, Democrat uh, group or liberal group and uh, and Bono has been pretty outspoken in the past over uh, Republicans and but this time he at the beginning of of Trump's uh, Trump's administration, he made this comment at a concert. So whoever you are, the right or the left, whoever you voted for, you're welcome here tonight. And we will meet, we will find common ground by reaching for higher ground, you know, which is essentially, I think that's, I think that's what uh, Elon Musk's intentions are. You know, I'm sitting here listening to those words that you just played. How beautiful. How awesome. And you got guys like Elon Musk and Bono. Why is it that these guys are being met with resistance? That tells you who you don't want to have power. The people who don't agree with that message are the ones we don't want to see with power. Yeah, the Joy Reeds, the Rachel Maddows, and uh, and when will it end? I mean, I'm I'm feeling like people are starting to people are starting to come out of the ether about that. Hey, you, you look at CNN; it's a whole different attitude than you know. And and I think, and maybe I'm biased, but I think Fox and Newsmax uh, and One American News they mm-hmm. try to be. They try to, you know, you can tell they're conservative, mm-hmm. but they try to be, you know, show both Pure sides about it. They try to bring, you know, I look at it this way. When it comes to Joy Reid, I like to say that the bloom has come off the black Tokyo rose. I think I think her time is done. You know, I've always called it that. If you if you listen to some of my podcasts, uh-huh. when I, I've always called it the, the black version of Tokyo Rose. Poor G.I., all the white guys out there, how are you doing? That's who she is. She's a she's a pablum pushing propagandist, and I think her time has come. Yeah, I think uh, I think there I think all their time has come. We just hope. Yes, we hope that we hope that you know you're starting to see some of the Democrats come out against the repealing Title Forty Two. Mm-hmm. They're uh, you know I think the Democrats have a bad case of uh, buyer's remorse. <laughs> As they should. I know that America has buyer's remorse, um, but I don't consider myself a buyer uh, because I was all the way for Trump. And I think most of the country was all the way for Trump. Um, I just don't buy the the numbers of the yeah. the votes. But, for- but but we better not dare say that something happened to the election. I mean, that, that would open up a whole can of worms. right? Yeah, it's like it's like saying that uh, that. Uh, people died because uh, they got in Clinton's uh, in the Bill, Bill and Hillary Clinton's ways. You know, uh, I had I had a when I wrote my book, um, there was a, a very prominent conservative voice that I asked to endorse the book, and he read the book and he said he wouldn't because there's a conspiracy theory in it. And I said, and, I said, and I'm going, what would that be? I wonder what he's talking about. Was it uh, because I talked about uh, Obama's birth certificate? 
uh, and then when I when I had a chance to uh, talk to him in person, mm-hmm. he said it was the thing about Clinton, the Clinton casualties. And I have a, a whole. I don't go into it very far in the book, uh-huh. but I reference it, and I and I reference it. You're talking about your newest book, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the that's a good book. So actually. the uh, you know I reference that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get in Clinton's ways, that there's you know uh, there's a count of a uh, 53 or 56 people that have gotten in their ways over the years, and they suicided themselves. If we had the same number of people die within three circles of our own lives, mm-hmm. we would be a person of interest. Exactly, but the Clintons aren't. And of course, he said he wouldn't he wouldn't endorse the book because of that conspiracy theory within it. So, wow! That and I'm going, come on, man! <laughs> you know that was that was uh, two paragraphs in a 345 page book. Yeah. And you're going to do it for that? And we all know they all we all know that people don't shoot themselves in the back when they commit suicide or twice. Exactly. They <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a neat trick, right? I shot myself once in the heart, once in the once in the head. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's something funky there, but you know, it seems you know it's kind of hard to hard to pull the trigger anyway for uh, on some guns, but especially after you took one to the heart or one to the head. That was the, that was a kicker for me, and you know, for this Republican, prominent Republican, to shy away from your book because of that, with all the other good information that you have in it, mm-hmm. I still want you to autograph my book for my son. Did you I, bring it? Yes, I did. All right, <laughs> I got a pen. Okay, <clears throat> all good. Okay, so let's go on about the decline of the Democrat Party. We've been talking a lot about political and cognitive decline of uh, President Biden lately. And, uh, and of course, between the time that we did this outline uh, for our show and, and uh, Friday morning, so that we did the outline on Thursday afternoon, and by Friday morning there's still more stuff we could put in to update the cognitive decline of uh, President Biden. But the fact is that the fate of the entire Democrat party is at risk this in this uh, November's midterms. From the Cook Political Report, Republicans are on track to retake the House. Polls last month from Pew Research Center and NBC News found Republicans either tied or are ahead of Democrats on the generic ballot. Generic ballot meaning, hey, who, who are you going to vote for in this, in this election, the Republican or the Democrat? No, no names on it. Uh, and only and the Republicans only have to defend eight toss up seats while the Democrats have to defend 16. As for the Senate, Mitch McConnell said there's a perfect storm of problems for the Democrats. So long as Republicans put forth fully electable, not fully electable nominees in Arizona, Georgia, Missouri, Nevada, New Hampshire, Ohio and Pennsylvania, they will take back the majority. Uh, so maybe that's why Elizabeth Warren, someone who's been laying pretty low for the past year, is all of a sudden showing up everywhere this week. Warren gave interviews to CNN, CBS, Politico, and more this week, intent on spreading her message that the Democrat Party is in trouble if they don't deliver on certain promises by November. I think we're going to be in real trouble if we don't get up and deliver, then I believe that Democrats are going to lose. We can't just rest on what we've already done. We need to be fighting going forward. There are things that the American people elected us to do, and we still need to get out there and do them. You would think she would be saying these things to the Democrats in her party rather than saying it to the general public. but. That's just it. Ladies and gentlemen, they're scary and they're scaring me. She's talking as if though what she's saying is real. Who are the American people to her? She has disdain for the American people. And then she says we have to build on what we've done so far. 
what exactly have you done for me lately? You haven't done a damn thing. This is scary stuff. Ed. What have they done for anybody? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, well, correction. Uh, yesterday, they uh, banned menthol cigarettes as if though that's a, a assist to the black community. I'm like, ah, these people, Ed. I'm not a smoker, but I didn't I didn't realize that was a, a political thing. Oh, yeah. Well, because they, they, they seize on some of the nuances in the black community. And menthol cigarettes is an issue in the inner city. Uh, and so there are there are people who do the spoken word. There are there's a movement of blacks. Black, 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 pardon me. Black Lives Matters is actually pushing the the abolishment of menthol cigarettes because they say it's detrimental to the black community. Right. Why? Because it's the cigarette of choice in the black community, and they claim that it's addictive. But I find a conflict. You're gonna Joe Biden. You're gonna take away menthol cigarettes, but you gave crack paraphernalia instead. I, I just don't know why we don't make the connection with these. So is that is that like saying uh, if they ban double stuff Oreos that that's a that's a that's a hit to the white community because <laughs> did you say Oreos <laughs> exactly that's a good Cause, one because I noticed I noticed that double stuff Oreos happen to be one of my downfalls and why uh, why mm. you can't see the six pack. That's uh, that's lying well, under my cake. Watch this. Then let me do it like they do with the spoken word on the menthol cigarettes. Ready? We have to get rid of the blight. We have to do what's right. We got to make sure we get rid of all that white in the middle of the Oreo cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's what they're doing there. They got these these uh, poems and all this stuff uh-huh. to get rid of the menthol cigarettes. So Joe Biden seized on that yesterday, and they've abolished, or should I say, they've made it illegal to have menthol cigarettes. All right, I like that. I like your new little poem there. So, uh, so let's get back to Elizabeth Warren. She's one of eight Democrat senators who sent a letter this week to the Secretary of Education asking this week to give a fresh start to 7 million student loan borrowers who are either behind on their payments, in delinquency, or even in default by returning them to good standing before payments are set to resume after August 31st. Wait, there's 43 million Americans with student loans. Let's make sure the 7 million that don't pay their, don't pay their, uh, their payments are in default. Let's make sure and help them by returning them to, to, uh, to good standing. Returning people to good standing is one thing, but as we know, the far left of the party does not want to stop there. They're pl- calling on across-the-board student loan forgiveness. The same legal authority that the president has used to suspend student loan payments uh, is the same authority that he would use to cancel them. And not only that, but he has used that authority. He has indicated a willingness to use the authority. And I think that it would be extraordinarily important and urgent for him to do so. Our president has taken an oath to represent all of us and to care for the well-being of all of us. And what we are asking and demanding today is for him to follow through with the promise of canceling student debt. Yeah, we should cancel because he's uh, got a promise to all of us. Of course, the people with student debt are 43 million out of 43 million out of 332 million people. So it's about 13 percent of the country, and uh, it's 600 billion dollars in debt. So averages about 14 thousand dollars per person. But I've seen some people with 2,500 and some people with 250 thousand. Um, and what does that say to the people who paid for their kids' education, or that? And what does it say to the people who? who took out student loans and paid them back. And how is that fair to everybody that we're going to put all that debt on the American taxpayer? And here's what the, here's what the socialist who may run again for president, Bernie Sanders, is saying. If we could bail out <clears throat> banks that 
destroyed the economy because of their illegal activity. If we can give Mr. Bezos $10 billion, you know what we can do? We can cancel all student debt yeah. in America. Yeah, well, he's he is just delusional. Uh, remember the 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 TARP program, which bailed out the banks eight hundred billion dollars, was one hundred percent paid back. And the ten billion dollars he's talking about given to Bezos has to do with the space program and uh, Blue Origins. And uh, really, hey, you know what the the private sector has shown everybody that they can do they can they can do better and more effectively anything that the space uh, the space program can do uh, by the government people with uh, you know SpaceX and Blue Origins and uh, and Virgin Galactica. So uh, you know what Bernie Sanders is a communist and uh, it just we're gonna have to talk more and more about this after the break. So stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercial, and sports. And Kenny and I will both be back with you in five minutes. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Planet Home Lending. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and financing on the radio. Uh, because uh, if you're not in the market, it might be a little bit boring. But if you're uh, if you have real estate or you'd like to own real estate, if you're uh, over 62 and you have more life left than you have money, but you have equity in your house, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Click on the Planet Home Lending logo and uh, do the cyber thing. So uh, for those of you that weren't part of the first half, um, you... Uh, then you wouldn't know that I've got uh, the Southside Unicorn, uh, Kenny White, in the studio with me. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Say, before the break, we were talking about uh, uh, school loan forgiveness, student loan forgiveness, and uh, we ran out of time before I gave you a chance to comment. Well, my comment is more of a skit that I've always had in my mind when it comes to college education. I'm not be, I'm not going to be smirched. We need it, especially in the actual academics of medicine and science and all of that. But some of these degrees in tree counting and, you know, all that stuff, I don't know if we really need all that. Here's my skit. You got three college kid, kids, a picture of them in a nice penthouse and the air conditioning breaks and the, the sink isn't working right and they're all hot and frustrated. They're like... Well, somebody called the plumber. Somebody called the air conditioning guy, right? And so as they're waiting on these guys to show up to fix their sink and to fix their AC, they are watching TV. And on the television is this beautiful Corvette, a nice, you know, sports car, right? And the one kid's like, well, when I finish college and everything and they pay off my loans for me, I'm going to get me one of those Corvettes. I'm going to do it. So he's looking out the window. And well, correction, the, the, the door knocks and the guys come in, the plumber and he's got plumbers crack and uh, the air conditioning guy comes in and they're kind of scruffy alpha male types, you know, with a little dirt on their hands. Uh-huh. And the kids are like, yeah, all this stuff. Right. But flash forward as they send them the bill, they're like, this bill is awfully high. He's like, hey, did you, could you fix this without me? Right. Mm-hmm. So they got to pay him. But now he leaves. And the kid goes to the window and he sees the air conditioning guy get in a nice white Corvette. <laughs> That's my little skit. And what I'm saying by that is, what about all those blue collar people out there? What about all those uh, technical trained people? We're going to have to carry the load 
for a group of kids who literally would fight me for my freedom of speech, uh-huh. who would literally, if I went on a college campus with my MAGA hat on, my, my life is in danger, as, as deadly as if though I was walking in the hood. Mm-hmm. But we're supposed to subsidize these young people because they help keep the Democrats in power. Come on. We had, we had a leadership, uh, a leadership program at our, uh, at our company a few years ago. And the company that came in and did it with our, with our top people in the, in the company, um, um, they had two former, uh, Navy SEALs that came in and taught this leadership. Mm -hmm. And one of them, one of them, uh, teaches, in uh, at UC San Diego, he teaches a leadership class there, and he goes, "Well, you know, what? I teach a leadership class at uh, U- at UCSD," and he goes, "And I'll tell you, there, it's all about enrollment and money." And I go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa wait, isn't college supposed to be about education?" He goes, "That's a whole day of discussion," <laughs> <clears throat> and it's uh, it's it's really sad. But we're we uh, all these student loans. All these student loans. So they came up with the. It used to be the banks doing the student loans, and they would evaluate mm. evaluate a student's uh, whether they're serious or not. They changed the guaranteed student loan program, but basically, hey, you're guaranteed a, a student loan if you're going to college. And then the universities just took advantage of it and came out with a whole bunch of different uh, degrees, raised mm. their prices, oh. raised their salaries, increased the menu. Exactly, and uh, just to just to seize, just to take advantage of that. Mm loophole to get government money and now the and now they want to uh now they want to say hey let's just have the taxpayers pay it i think they should go back to the universities and say for all the degrees that that you issued to these kids that can't find a job that relates to their then you need to refund that and see that is the end that's the the crux of this whole problem if they don't make the money and the problems go away somebody's going to have to answer for this and they know it's them. So before the buck stops with them, they want us to spend our bucks to save their butts. Exactly. And I, I have a, I had a, 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 um, a employee working for me that her parents have $260,000 worth of debt for a bachelor's degree in business at NYU. And when we talk about it, she goes, Hey, I think college is great. I had a great time. I said, I know that's what you had. You had a great time. You didn't yeah. get a great education or anything that, that would actually uh, um, relate to a job. Mm-hmm. You had a good time. Yeah. Your parents paid $260,000 for you to go party for four years. And now they're going to look for a job at Dewey, Cheatham, and how? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about who's, who's pulling the strings in our country. Uh, if one thing has become uh, glaringly obvious over the past year, it's it's this. Joe Biden may be the president, but he's not the one in charge. We've witnessed Biden's mental struggles over the past year. Lots of us have started asking, who's pulling the puppet strings? And, you know, my wife, uh, my wife thinks it's Obama. Um, I'm not sure that's the Me case. Uh, <laughs> now we just might have an answer. Thanks to the two new books hitting the stands this month. The first one is getting less coverage. It's called Jill, a biography of the first lady. Written by Julie Pace and Darlene Superville. Jill Biden actually spoke to the authors on record. And if you read between the lines and of what she said, it's pretty eye-opening. Take this, for instance. In her own words, Jill Biden says she stopped wanting her husband to run for president almost 20 years ago. From the UK Guardian's preview of the book, Feeling burned by her husband's first run for the presidency, Jill Biden resisted advisors, including Ron Klain, now the White House Chief of Staff, who pushed him to mount another campaign in 2004. 
Jill, which he didn't run for in 2004. Jill was describing describing a meeting at the Biden's house in Delaware when Joe Biden met with Mark Gittenstein, a long-term advisor, and Klain joined on the super uh, on the speakerphone. In that meeting, Jill says she drew a no and O on her stomach with a Sharpie pen and marched through the room in a bikini. All these men, all these men, and they were mostly men coming to our home, she said. They said, you've got to run, you've got to run. I wanted no part of it. So the one time, so that's one time it's been strongly suggested that Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, is the one calling the shots. Here's the second time. From the new book by Jonathan Martin and Alexander Burns called This Will Not Pass, Trump, Biden, and the Battle for America's Future. There's an excerpt that describes how Jill didn't want her husband to pick Kamala as her running mate. Based on this moment, you might remember from the primary debates. I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. To hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. You also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Oh, boo hoo. You know what? I remember I remember that moment when uh, Kamala was still in the primaries. Remember, they had 17 people on stage. Um, and I remember that moment saying, that's that's uh, Biden's end. Yeah, I, I thought what, I thought what she had done was figuratively speaking, ladies and gentlemen, I thought she had taken a hand grenade, pulled the pin and took everybody out with that. That should have ended the Democrat Party because after all, even though senators she was speaking of were Democrat senators. Yep. What happened? Exactly. And then then of course we follow that up with uh with Tulsi Gabbard's uh talking to Kamala Harris about mm-hmm. what she did to people that smoke pot and as a uh, attorney general of California. She wore the brothers out. And Kamala then, Harris wore the brothers out. I'm like, man. And then she said, and when you were asked on a on a in an interview if you ever smoked pot, you just laughed. Yeah, oh no, no, she did worse than that. She claimed that she smoked uh marijuana with Snoop Dogg and uh Tupac, if I'm not mistaken. And when it was when it was fact checked, come to find out it's almost impossible for her to have done that because the time dates didn't match up at oh, yeah. all. It was just not possible. So she lied. <clears throat> That's true. That's true because uh, she lied. Tupac was was not around for uh uh for that to have occurred. Exactly. And and just in closing on that little piece, when it comes to Kamala Harris and it comes to the issue of Joe Biden. As an African-American born and raised on the south side of Chicago, and I ain't hating on nobody, I'm just keeping it real. Mm-hmm. There's no way in the world you should be standing next to Joe Biden under any circumstances as a black human being if you know fully who that man is. Exactly. And if you go back if you go back to when Joe Biden uh, actually had his fully functional brain, um, some, of, terrible. some of the <laughs> some of the some of the the stuff that he said, you know, he stood up against against keeping an open border and he stood mm-hmm. up stood up against letting crime go rampant and uh he almost sounded like a like a republican and then today he's opened the border let people out he's a whole different person that's because he's got a dog in that fight now now he's now he's got now he's got uh the the far right progressive right or the far far progressive left of his party mm-hmm. that are pushing him to do everything green do everything, uh, everything the, to benefit the criminal 
to benefit the uh, the the irresponsible and the and the unproductive. That's their constituency. I'm I'm sorry to say, but the constituency of not necessarily the Democrat Party, but these people who've hijacked the Democrat Party are criminals, reprobates, and other stuff. Exactly right. This is why Jill Biden reportedly said there are millions of people in the United States. Why do you have to choose the one who attacked Joe? And uh, the the book claims several from Biden's inner circle, however, supported Harris on the ticket. Ron Klain, now the White House chief of staff, had been tasked with vetting the vice presidential candidates. He told Biden early, early on that Harris was the most qualified for the job as she had sought the presidency herself. Does that make you qualified? The fact that you ran for uh, no, and then wasn't she last? Didn't she like just she was she was about to end her campaign and suspended, right? Yeah, no, she did before even the first primary. She never even <laughs> she didn't have any support. Wow. So, so this is what Ron Klain said: choosing Harris will show people that you are magnanimous and forgiving. Klain told Biden, "It will show the country just what a unifying leader that you can be." I think we found the puppet master. Well, in my opinion, Ed, I think we found the transmission. If a car has a motor, a transmission, and a rear end, uh-huh. this uh, advisor, uh, the chief of staff, he is the transmission that picks up the information from Obama so that Obama's hands stay clean, so that there's a little bit of disconnect. So, yeah, he may be transmitting this stuff to Biden, but I'm I'm with the wife on this one. It's pretty air apparent. Uh, back when they were doing the uh, Veterans Memorial, mm-hmm. I called it out on my show. Obama took the salute with Joe Biden standing right there. And he looked dead in the camera. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, that was a shot across the bow and a secret, a secret wink, wink, nod, nod to their people. Don't worry, everybody. I'm really still in charge. How dare you take the salute with the alleged president standing right there? What a faux pas. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it, and it was funny how when Obama made his return to the White House, how everybody just flocked around Obama. That was embarrassing. And left Biden just kind of wandering around. And, you know, he's he's standing, standing, walking towards the curtain on the back of the stage and mm-hmm. and just kind of wandering. One of his seeing eye dog staff uh, grabbed his hand and said, oh, come, okay, Mr. President, come back over here now. And, and, and you know what I thought about, Ed, real quick? You know who's really the puppet master? That little bunny rabbit that was uh, there for Easter. I want to pull that hat off and figure out uh, the mask off, right? Who was underneath that bunny mask that uh-huh. grabbed the president and said, no, not over here. Go over here. Not over here. Yes. Uh, stop stop chatting the with the master. people in the, in the audience. No telling what you might say. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty telling when you, you see what's going on. It's and clear I, he's not in charge. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't know how to be in charge. He can't even finish a sentence without uh, screwing up the words. So uh, let's talk about California now. Uh, you just got back from the uh, uh, California GOP convention last week. So In Anaheim. I've, I've never attended it myself. I probably should, but you know, I noticed you should. I noticed we had the Unite IE conference the weekend before, mm-hmm. and it's uh, and when you see the pictures, it seems like there's the same people, the same people at all the conferences, the people that are concerned enough to actually get involved, and uh, and you're there, I'm there. Uh, same, same basic faces. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's kind of disappointing that more people don't, don't get involved. So, um, let's ask you about some things at the event. Was this your first time attending? No, this was my second, uh, attendance to a conference in person after COVID, right? Pretty uh-huh. much. And my second uh, time as a delegate. So, so, uh, who did you see there? Who was your favorite speaker? 
I saw us. I saw everybody there, and and Ed. I mean, I, I I could try to tell you who my favorite speaker was, but I would I would end up leaving some people out. So I didn't want I don't want to go there. But I will say this to the public that's listening: upon the next CAGOP convention, if you call yourself a Republican in California, you figure out a way to get there. We should have our halls bursting with people because it's that camaraderieism. It's that inner networking that happens at these conventions Mm -hmm. that's most important because after all, you want to sit there and say we have rhinos in our ranks and we got this and that. Well, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, the rhinos show up. Exactly. Exactly. So, don't worry about leaving people out. Talk about some of the people that caught you. Because I got I got my uh, primary my primary book that mm-hmm. gives us here's here's who's running, here's who's running, here's for what office. And I noticed that there's nothing on Congress. So there's a uh, I was I know I know I actually looked it up after I found this said who's running in my district. My district is 41, mm-hmm. but apparently they turned they changed me to 39, and uh, and I you know I know Ken Calvert is is Corona and Temecula and, and, uh, and part of Riverside. And now I heard that he's got the Coachella Valley and Palm Springs. So, uh, I'm in Moreno Valley and that's right in between. Mm-hmm. So does that make me, does that make me uh, in that district or, uh, am I still in Tecano's district and who's, and who's running there? And, uh, I had to look it up. And apparently, I, I, yeah, apparently I don't, I don't, right. They're not they're not doing a good good enough job breaking it down after this uh, redistricting occurred on you know who's where and who's what, and that's that's hurting us too because some people are really saying I'm a Republican, I believe in what you believe in. Now tell me where to vote, and that's not being managed well. Ex- exactly, and I think I think all they did when they redistrict is mm. take uh, Calvert's uh, district. And let's take Palm Springs and the Coachella Valley, which mm-hmm. has a large uh, a large contingent of of LGBTQ, mm-hmm. and uh, and they will always always vote Democrat. So let's add that to him, so it makes his sandbags makes, him. It makes him makes just puts a bunch more Democrats in his his mm-hmm. position, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's it wasn't clear, and the and the and the voters guide didn't even have anything in Congress because mm-hmm. apparently they haven't figured it out out how to. How to divide the the uh, the mailing list yet either, but it also shows these people running for governor. And quite frankly, there's about 20 people running for governor, and the only name that I even recognize is Gavin Newsom. And the primary now, remember, primary California primary is the top two. Doesn't matter. There's mm-hmm. not a Republican and a Democrat. It's going to be the top two vote getters. And we're five weeks from Tuesday from the primary in California. And I've never heard anyone name. The only thing, only thing I've heard about some of the candidates are, are uh, signs on the corners, mm-hmm. uh, tacked on the fences around around uh, Marino Valley Riverside. I don't. I just don't see it. Well, that. Thank you for pointing that out, Ed. This is part of, and again, the CAGOP convention was awesome. It was it was a, a great experience as always. But what's frustrating me as a Republican of over forty eight years. We don't we allowed them to take the messaging apparatus away from us. Just look at Disneyland in Florida right now uh, with what they're doing. We don't have a commercial medium and the commercial mediums that we do have, just like the gentleman who refrained from uh, endorsing your book. Mm-hmm. They want to walk such a tightrope of none canceling that certain things just aren't being done. Mm-hmm. These are people that we're trying to solicit votes from people, not the hope of, you know, some machinery. 
uh, we have, you asked me who stood out to me, Joe Collins, who's running for the 36th Congressional District. He's someone that we should be putting a lot of energy behind. Against Maxine Waters. Well, not necessarily against that redistricting situation. Uh-huh. He's running in a class all by himself now. So because he's not running against Maxine Waters, we should surely see him in Congress if we do our part. Mm-hmm. If we make it all happen. Um, so they took that section of Maxine Waters district to ensure the immortality. They basically gave her immortality. You know what I mean? And this, ladies and gentlemen, these are the things that we have. That's what we have conventions for. That's what we have a GOP and a central committee and all these things for. I'm learning. And, and, and God rest his soul, Don Dix and I at the last convention, I was going to leave. That's why I went to the, uh, the one before this, the 2021 convention. Mm hmm. And Don Dix spoke with me and, and I have a video that I'm going to be sharing with Agnes on that mm-hmm. pretty soon. But he said, Kenny, what do you think now? Are you going to leave or are you going to stay? And I said, gosh darn it, I'm going to stay. And that's because the fight was put back in, in my belly. In the California GOP party or in California? In California. I'm going to try to stay in California, but as okay. a small, as a teeny weeny tiny businessman, these people are making that hard. I don't want to be somebody's employee. I've been self-employed since I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And the headwind that I'm running into is my government. My government is stopping me from being able to, to prosper. Yeah, California is not a very business-friendly uh, environment. At all. So now back to the GOP. Uh, you got Joe Collins in the 36. You got Aja Smith. These are people that should be household names if you call yourself a Republican. Uh-huh. But the CAGOP is not, in my opinion, this is my opinion. They're not doing that. They're, they're kingmakers now. Now they're picking people who won't rail against them, who will share in their vision, which quite frankly, I don't know what that vision is. I feel like what's happening to the... California Republican Party is it's being neutered yep. it's, it's being it's being turned into something that will no longer be threatening to Democrats and that's not healthy nope and I know uh who's the head of the GOP that tried Jessica to Patterson yeah so she yeah. she won against uh Travis Allen uh, which was a travesty exactly and Travis Allen was an outspoken strong leader um and he should have been he should have won the governor's had uh had Trump endorsed him instead of John Cox, and, uh, which is a whole nother which is a whole nother yeah. whole nother uh, issue. But the uh, but when he ran for the head of GOP, that should have that could have made the California GOP strong, and instead they put Jessica Patterson in, and we would have literally we had a, we would have literally had a a a Donald J Trump in California. Had we elected Travis Allen. Exactly. That machinations that happened with that John Cox, that was another thing that almost made me leave the party. So now, uh, referring back to the GOP convention, I met some pretty interesting people that you probably would never hear of. As you said, there's over 20 people Mm -hmm. running for governor. Uh, Just real quick, just three that struck to me. Uh, Zaki, he's running for governor. Okay. Uh, He's from the the Zaki Farms. He's he's actually one of the... uh, uh, heirs to the Zaki farm industry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, David Lozano, he would be a good governor. And I ran across a young lady named Jenny Ray LaRue. You talk about a woman full of fire. You you guys always talk about RGB, uh, Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
M M G M G D M G is that is that no, how M- M D M T G something like that it means mortgage yeah, okay <laughs> Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene we always talk about her but we have someone like her in our own ranks ladies and gentlemen this Jenny Ray Larue I want to get to see more of her mm-hmm. but what I did see of her at the convention she's somebody we need to be looking into but our party isn't highlighting these people yeah it's uh, did they talk anything about immigration. Uh, anything no. interesting about immigration? No. Um, so uh, by now we all know about the tragedy of Bishop Evans, a 22-year-old uh, uh, Texas National Guardsman who drowned while rescuing two drug smugglers from the Rio Grande. This is a young black American from a military family, sacrificed his own life for two people that shouldn't be here at all, not knowing who they are. And, it, and what we find out is they were struggling, they were smuggling drugs into this country which kills more Americans. Um, and you know what? Uh, when asked to react, Press Secretary Jen Psaki somehow managed to absolve the White House's responsibility and blame the Texas National Guard for this young man's death. And the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, is not having it. Of course, we are mourning the, the loss of his life, and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states, and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard, and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government. First, uh, we would not have to have the National Guard on the border uh, if the Biden administration was very simply enforcing the laws passed by the United States Congress and securing our border. Second, uh, if the Biden administration merely kept in place what the Trump administration put in place, uh, the, the Trump administration led to the lowest number of border crossings in decades. We are dealing with a catastrophe caused by the Biden administration. Wow. They say greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his fellow man. Bishop Evans and his family, God bless you. May flights of angels watch over you all. To capitalize as we're about to run out of show, I'm simply going to say this. Are we going to make a statue for Bishop Evans the same way we made one for Mr. Floyd? Exactly. You know, the, hey, this, this, um, the fact that he was American should have been enough that we lost an American to bring to try to save two illegal aliens. And uh, apparently this black life doesn't matter. That's right. All so, right. So anyway, hey, we're all out of time. Uh, Kenny, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. And uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. And I will be back again with you next week. <laughs>